And we're back again. All that uh, smoking and drinking hadn't killed us yet. I love that sound. Sip, Smoke, and Savor is back for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Brave. My name is Cruz, my partner Ian Barry. This show is about the good life. Craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. And Ian, welcome back. Man, it's good to see you this week. Yeah, it really is. We've had uh, we've had quite a week, or I have anyway. Uh, it's like I'm actually a little surprised I did make it in for the show, but here we are. It's been nice and warm outside. Yes, it has, which has been uh, you know really you know not a bad thing for being outside having a few smokes. So it's been a it's been a multi cigar week, that's for sure. Well, I think I mentioned uh, last time that I got my patio cleared off. And so it's been a great place to sit out and have cigars and beer. Oh, nice. Well, uh, you can invite me over anytime, um, particularly if the fridge is stocked. Noted. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are really excited to be doing the show. We want to thank everybody for checking us out. And we are uh, you know, continuing to roll along here and feeling pretty good about the progress so far. Uh, Ian Barry, my uh, friend and partner here, uh, is a musician, maker of guitars, and uh, connoisseur of all things imbibable. Well, maybe not all things, but lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> the sip, smoke, and savor type, yes. Yep. Uh, my name is Cruz. Uh, I uh, My background is radio broadcasting and i just come by all this other stuff because i enjoy it that's just that's just how i like to that's how i like to roll so so we're glad to be your host for this week's show ian smoke anything interesting this week i did this week i had a quesado sorry quesada not quesado that almost quesada. sounds it almost sounds like tex-mex well i had a quesada and some chips <laughs> right. and, uh, i had a uh, quesado tributo and uh, it was one, I just happened to be in the cigar shop, and I saw it, and I went, you know what? A friend of mine turned me on to those a couple years ago. So I picked up one, and I took it home, and I did what I usually do, where I, I, I light up my cigar, and I smoke about, you know, three quarters of an inch into it, and then I go smell my whiskey and see <laughs> which one just smells like it's going right. to go with it. And I made a fun choice. I had a Maker's 46 wow. that I had with it, and they went very well together. So... Uh, the uh, the cigar had a nice uh, uh, full peppery note when I lit it. Uh, as I got to the middle of the cigar, it picked up a lot more uh, warmer flavors, less spicy, a lot more warmer flavors. And the right about when I got to the last third of the cigar, it actually went out on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did a, a relight, and it relit with almost no penalty whatsoever. Really, really that's really always nice. interesting. And when I that smoked happens, it yeah. down, down to almost nothing. Didn't so I know. really enjoyed that cigar. And even on the tail end of it, it never got bitter. It uh, it, it still had a nice full uh, flavor. It was a little less smoky towards the end, but mm-hmm. uh, it had a nice big full smoke uh, smoke for the first two thirds of it. And uh, I would put it solidly in the in the middle of full flavored. That was a, it was quite a good cigar. Now the Casada, those are the ones that the band is like a little uh, picture of a leaf, right? Yeah, the leaf is kind of a cue. If you look at right, it, it's, right, it's right. like the leaf is standing straight up, and then there's a little little thing on the on the bottom uh, right that makes it look like a cue. I've had those before. It's been a while, yeah. but I remember them being quite good. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a very and a nicely rolled cigar. Other than the fact that it did go out on me that one time, it, uh, everything, I mean, it smoked perfectly even and it was really good. Well, if you could relight it. with almost no penalty, that's a that's Yeah, a I was big really deal. surprised. I'm really bad about, uh, you know, wanting to have a cigar when I'm maybe like, you know, working on something or whatever. So, because I'm not necessarily giving it the ongoing continuous attention it deserves, 
it will go out on me and I'll have to relight. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about cigars that don't get you know all uh, you know all accurate or or uh, strong. Right, some of them or, don't or relight well. when you relight, uh, especially if you're just in the middle. I understand if I leave it sitting in the ashtray right. for hours, but if if it just went out and I relit, I kind of I don't think it's a bad expectation uh, to think that you can do that without it. You know, wanting to just zap you. you well, know? one of the things I got in the habit of if 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 I suspect that my cigar is getting low on its light is I'll instead of puffing, I will blow. And see if I'm getting smoke, and if I don't, then I I never draw that stale uh, staleness through this mm-hmm. uh, cigar. Right. Yeah. You if I can blow it, and that blow makes through. a big difference mm-hmm. on when you relight. Yeah, it really so. does. It really does. I, I remember when I first started uh, smoking cigars, I bought one of those. Uh, you know, they sell them at a lot of cigar stores. They're that long tube, and it's supposed to be uh, to save. Your cigar, if you like, can't finish smoking the whole cigar. I kind of remember seeing yeah. those. I don't. Yeah. Think I ever so, tried so I, I bought one. I thought, oh, this is a great idea because what if I, you know, I'm in the middle of a cigar and maybe it was a ten dollars cigar and I didn't, uh, I didn't have time to finish it. So, uh, so I bought one of those and tried it half a dozen times. The cigars were all just terrible when I relit them. It didn't help at all. I can only imagine that when you seal a cigar in with its own, in with its already own already relit yes. staleness, yeah. that maybe it's just that's a terrible not idea. Turn out well. like, it was even stronger that that sort of negative smell was. Oh, uh, right, right. It's like okay, well, that's that, there's a there's a cigar accessory for people who, like me at the time, know nothing about cigars, right, you know? Right. So, uh, Well, so. it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We are excited to be back for the show this week, and we're really excited uh, about our guest this week. We have uh, um, something that I think we can be, you know, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping on this bandwagon. So I really, really hope that I like the rum, because I haven't tasted it yet. This, but, oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, we, so Go ahead. So this week we have uh, a, rep- a representative from the Texas Silver Rum Company. No, no, it's from the um, Grateful Dane. Rum oh, the Company. Grateful Dane. I'm sorry, yes. I got that wrong. Texas Silver is the Texas brand. Texas Silver is the, the brand. I'm looking yeah. at the packaging, and it's so pretty. I, yeah. Like I didn't see the other stuff. Well, Ian, <laughs> Ian Mook, who shares a first name with you, uh, will be joining us, and we'll be sampling uh, the. The Texas Silver Rum uh, for the first time. First time for me. You haven't tried it yet, have you? I haven't tried it yet. So I'm excited about it. Um, uh, My wife uh, ran into, I think it may have actually been Ian. We'll ask him this, but uh, ran into him, I think, sampling stuff at a specs and came home and told me all about it. She goes, It's the first rum distillery in Houston, and you got to check these guys out. And so uh, uh, fast forward, and here we are. So pretty exciting. Yeah. So excited about doing this. Um, In Stogie Headlines, there are more. Um, FDA regulations coming, and they're going to change um, the cigar industry in a couple of ways that you should know about. It's like so, there's pros and cons to the whole thing, depending on where where you are. But one thing's for sure: uh, it's going to mean there's a lot of new cigars coming out between uh, now and the next couple of months, and then it's going to mean there's going to be an absence of new cigars coming out for a while. Uh, so we'll tell you what that's all about and why. That's coming up on the show. Um, and do a little craft beer tasting. You had brought this beer in uh, a couple of shows ago. We didn't have time to get to the tasting, so I brought it back today. It's the uh, Arrogant Bastard uh, Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Aged uh, Beer. So we'll do You're so much better than me. I can't believe you still have it. Uh, <laughs> I would have I would You have, have no idea how close I came to not having that. And <laughs> I, for, I'd, I'd, I'd have just drank it and then I, you know, for all I'll you know, I replaced it. Yeah, for all you know, I replaced it. So, 
So we have all of that coming up, and there's um, there's a lot of other stuff going on we want to talk about. Uh, really quickly before we bump to the break, um, I had a very interesting uh, cigar this week. Um, I smoked the Hammer and Sickle. Tradition Toro. I have never had one of those. These guys make, I think, a vodka as well, uh, but they do have a line of cigars. And the only one I've ever seen, I was looking at their website, the only one I've ever seen is the Hammer the hammer and Sickle uh, Tradition, which actually has the sort of Soviet Hammer and Sickle right. logo on the on the uh, cigar band. There's three or four other different kinds. These come in, although I, I didn't, I just got an individual one, but uh, they come in a glass box if you buy a box of them. Oh. It's a, a transparent glass box, which is really different. So I thought, eh, this is probably more like a novelty. And also, I could tell by the wrapper, it was a Connecticut Shade wrapper. I thought, this is going to be a lighter one. It probably will be, you know, like fine for an earlier in the day cigar, but not going to be really necessarily my taste. Man, it was great. It was mild to medium bodied and and uh, the thing about that was it did not sacrifice the flavor. It had nice complexity, and uh, I, I thought it was really good. Leather, a little bit of pepper, a wonderful spiciness. Um, Got to tell you, surprised me for a Dominican. I thought it was nice and full-flavored without being full in terms of, of strength, and that's kind of a rare thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed it. I recommend it as long as you don't have, like, you know, like Cold War issues with smoking something that has a hammer and a sickle on it, uh, you'll probably you probably enjoy it. So, uh, so we'll try to put a post of that up as we get our Facebook stuff and all that together, and we'll get back to you on that uh, in just a minute. Coming up, we're going to talk to Ian Mook from Grateful Dane Rum. Excited Looking about this. To that. It's sip, smoke, and savor. Welcome back to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's nice to have you along with us as we are on Radio Brave, and we are talking about the good life, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. I will tell you, the world of craft spirits is absolutely blowing up. Now, craft beer has been exploding for the last, what, decade, uh, would you say? At least. Uh, and and they, they say that while it's still growing, that it may be finally not growing quite as fast as it has been. And I think that's just because there's so many different craft beers out there now. It's like it's already a crowded market. I was in uh, specs just looking at the Texas aisle that you mentioned uh, on the show last week, Ian. And just the Texas aisle alone, there's so many beers that, I love that, that I haven't part. tried. So, uh, so it's it's always uh, it's always interesting to see what's happening in the industry. But while the uh, beer industry, mainstream beer, certainly slowing down, um, the craft beer industry maybe not growing quite as fast as it used to. Craft spirits are exploding, and that seems to be like one of the biggest areas of growth in the entire beverage industry right now. So uh, with that in mind, it only makes sense that areas, just like, you know, there were maybe one or two craft breweries in a city like Houston, you know, 10 years ago, and today there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, It makes sense that craft uh, distilleries are going to be popping up. And I'm pretty excited about that, to be honest. Yeah, it really is a cool thing. And uh, we have one of the coolest examples yet 
uh, actually in studio with us today. We want to say hello to Ian Mook from Grateful Dane Rum. Ian, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Now, this is going to get confusing because of two Ians on the show. So I'm just going to uh, keep saying what the entire episode. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, Ian, uh, Grateful Dane Rum, uh, when, did you, when did you start Grateful Dane? Um, about, uh, about five years ago, I, uh, I went to Puerto Rico, and mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with rum. Uh, I decided at that point that uh, it was something that I wanted to pursue as a hobby. Um, so I, I developed the recipe and, and realized that this was something worth building a business plan around. Wow. And, uh, and Just like that. I mean, went to Puerto Rico, came back inspired, and now this has become like your life's work. Exactly. Wow. That's so cool. Uh, is it? I know like if you, are, if you get inspired about like brewing your own beer... There's plenty of places you can look where you can read about how to do it, where you can even buy the materials and the kits to do that. But I have no idea. Do those same things exist for doing something like distilling your own rum? Um, no. Actually, distilling your own rum is, is actually illegal. And distilling any spirits is, is illegal without a license. Oh. I, just, uh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. That's, yeah. There's a lot of legislation being passed right now to hopefully mm-hmm. be able to, people to be able to do that. So what's involved in getting a license? And so, so you come back, you've got this vision of doing this, uh, of doing this rum, and now what do you do? Uh, you get a good attorney. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I guess that, I guess that's true of a Start lot of there. things. But yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of paperwork and, and red tape you got to get through. That's crazy. So before you even like are able to try out your recipe, you got to do all this this uh, paperwork and legwork, right? Legally, yes. That's wow. that's a big air quotes I heard right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. Of course he did it that way. Why would he not? So how long from, let's say, okay, so you get back from Puerto Rico, you're like, I'm doing it. How long from then until you actually first start mixing things together uh, legally? Uh, you know, How long was that process? Uh, about three and a half years. Wow. So you got to really be committed to this because you're not even thinking about really being able to manufacture it, let anybody try it, get it out there until all that stuff's taken care of. No, right? I was speaking to him uh, just a little earlier before we got in the studio, and mm-hmm. this is a one man show. Wow! Now I was going to ask you about that too because that's a that's a big deal. How is it, it's still a one man show for you? It's still a one man operation, and it's actually a nights and weekends operation right now. I haven't even uh, been able to pay myself, uh, but I'm working on that. It's uh, I, I, it's that's part of the reason it's taking so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to keep overhead low. Sure, that um, makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you do? I mean, this is I'm looking at this uh, bottle of rum that you brought in, this Texas Silver, and I mean, this is you know, this it's beautiful. It's a great looking bottle. It's like it's everything very looks completely distinctive, and yet to think that you're doing all of this yourself that means that you designed or had designed you know everything from the label to the shape of the bottle, like. That that must be an amazing amount of stuff to have to deal with. Thank you. I, I do have some help. I have friends that do design, and mm-hmm. they've they've worked with me on some of this stuff. But I mean, as far as employees go, I don't have anybody that's that's on. That's as grassroots as yeah. it gets, right there. I just just buddies that that have been you know have history with graphic design helping me out. And so when did like that. when did the rum actually start being available? Either at bars or restaurants or uh, to buy in stores. Just a little over a month ago, um, some local liquor stores picked me up. Um, Tony K's got me in, and Specs got me in, um, and now I'm in a few different bars and restaurants around town. 
but it's, it's been Houston. I'd say under two months now. It's been on the shelves. I was driving by. Um, I always forget the name of this bar. It's down uh, on Smith Street. Uh, as you're heading from where Specs is there towards uh, 59. Um, uh, community room. Mm-hmm. Driving by community room. I'm driving by and I look up on the marquee and it says, "Proudly serving Grateful Dane Texas Silver Rum." I was like, "Hey, that's the guy we're having on the show." So, yeah. so you're making some impact. Out Absolutely. There. Yeah. I actually, I actually put those letters up there. Should, uh, the owner <laughs> Good of the man. That's not awesome. to let me do that. Well, you, you talk about one. Is Alex operation. still bartending over there too? Uh, I believe so. Awesome. I like that guy. Talk about a one-man operation. He's actually putting the letters up <laughs> on the bar's marquee. Right. Uh, that's pretty good. So. How, so how do you handle this? I mean, for, first of all, how many doing this as a one man operation? How many bottles can you distill in say a month? Uh, I have the capacity for doing about 120 uh, cases a month, which is there's six bottles a case. Right. Um, but that seems like a lot for a one man operation. Yeah. It, it, well, it's it just takes dedication, time, uh, <laughs> but it's it's possible. Right now, I'm not selling that many because I'm trying to get out to the market. Um, mm-hmm. But I have the capacity for doing that. That's that's really awesome. I mean, if you think about a one man operation, can actually produce that much, you know, quality handcrafted uh, rum. And get it into stores. I mean, are you driving it to the stores yourself too? You no, my, my, that's my distributor's job. Okay, so um, you, you are working with a distributor. Uh, yes. That's good. Was that hard to line up getting yeah. a distributor? It was. Um, you know, some of the bigger guys aren't aren't so uh, looking forward to supporting a small startup brand. And I was lucky enough to find Texas True Distributing, uh, who's also focuses on craft craft distilling, and uh, they were looking for some new products and took me on, and they've been a big help. Get now, me out there. Are there other uh, craft rum distillers in other locations that you sort of like looked at and tried to evaluate w- what they were doing right or wrong, maybe, and and uh, incorporated maybe even some of their best ideas into what you're doing? Well, yeah. Uh, when when I decided to start a craft distillery, I didn't even realize that there was that, that was even a thing. I, mm-hmm. I saw craft brewing. And I said, I want to do this in the craft spirits. And then once I started doing my homework and, and, you know, building my business plan, um, I realized, oh, there is a craft craft distilling market. Um, And there's a few different Texas rums out. They're all really good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm competing with them, but I'm not competing with them. I just try to make the best product that I can. And I try to make a very unique product. Um, And it compared to any other craft craft rums, it's, it's completely different. You know, one of the things I I find interesting, what you said about competing, I think is really true. It's like, if you take someone like, you know, Ian or myself, we're, you know, we're into the craft spirits, we're into the craft beer. We don't even look at these things as being competitive with each other. It's like, no, oh, it's I tried like, this. It was good. Did you try this? It's like, it's like and, different flavors on a menu to me, kind of, sure. more than anything. And even, yeah, absolutely. even some of the things that I've liked the best have been recommended to me by people who maybe were involved with uh, another mm-hmm. brand. Like, they would go, oh, have you tried this? That's just kind of the way I always see it. And I think... Especially today's, you know, newer generation of craft spirit and beer drinkers, they just don't, they just don't care. It's not about Anheuser Busch versus, uh, you know, Miller Coors or whatever. Like, and and those guys are buying each other and consolidating anyway. But, but it's not about, you know, people don't look at it as a competitive thing. It's not the, you know, the Texans versus the Colts kind of a thing. It's 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 just, hey, that's good. Let's try this. And so I think your I, th- I think your approach on it is right because uh, people who try those craft rums are actually probably the most likely people to try yours. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. So uh, that totally makes sense to me. 
It's um, it's in a beautiful uh, bottle. It's got the one hook. If you're familiar with like the Kraken bottle, it has the two hooks. This has just, uh, this just the one on the side. But it's kind of like white and silver, and the label really really classy looking label. It's uh, silver black and what color is that, Ian? Is that a brown or it's, an it's kind of like a burnt orange? It's, burnt, yeah, it's, it's almost Texas. like a rusty burnt yeah. orange. Yeah, yeah. it's real pretty. Yeah. Grateful Dane Distilling Company, Houston, Texas. Now, the silver, do you, is there just one rum in the line, or is there a, a gold as well? Or? There's a gold on the way. It's in barrels right now, um, It's and there's an indefinite timeline on that. Uh, once it's ready is when I'll bottle it. Um, I'm not going to bottle it till it's ready. That's okay. that's really what I, I got into rum distilling, is to make the aged products. Right. Um, I make a great silver rum, but also the aged products, I'm really concentrating on that and making sure that it's going to be the best possible and i'm not going to turn it out just because it's you know it's been in the barrel one year right i'm going to put it out there when it's tastes right when it's ready so if you have to do additional aging you'll do additional aging exactly which is what's so awesome about the whole craft spirits movement in general is the fact that it's not about mass production it's not about okay well those have been in the uh uh, tank for uh you know uh 11 months and 29 days so it's time to get ready to ship them out uh it's it's about is it ready is it is the product what you want it to be? Um, when we come back, uh, we want to taste this, and uh, neither Ian or I have have tasted this rum before, so I'm really excited about this. Want to taste this? Want to talk a little bit about the process, how it's done, and uh, and what it was about your trip to Puerto Rico that made you fall so in love with uh, the whole idea of rum. Uh, we're sip, smoke, and savor, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Also coming up on the show today, um, we have more FDA regulations on the way that are going to impact how you shop for smokes. That's uh, it's coming up. Plus, brews in the news. Oscar Blues Brewery in Austin is uh, underway, and there's not a, a date announced for its opening yet, but they're already beginning to crank out beer, so we'll tell you about Can't that. Can't wait to hear about that. Yeah, that's coming up. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars And what the show is about. I'm your host, Cruz, along with uh, Ian uh, Ian Barry. And then we have uh, Ian Mook from Grateful Dane Rum, also in the studio. And he is pouring rum. So I'm excited. I can, uh, just sitting over here now, I can smell that wonderful sort of sweet rum aroma coming off of this. And it's, wow, that's fantastic. So I haven't even tasted it yet, but boy, does it smell good. What do you think? Now, I'm a bigger rum guy than Ian is. Ian knows a lot more about uh, scotches and whiskey than I do. Uh, and I'm I'm probably more versed in rum, and I think we're about the same place in tequila, and it goes on from there. Uh, but I brought in uh, I brought some rums to your attention that you really enjoyed. So. Apparently, I like rums that start at a certain level. Right. Right. I understand <laughs> what you're saying. From there up, I like them a lot. So here's what's going to be interesting then about uh, uh, Grateful Dane, which is, um, if you're just joining us, from uh, Houston, Texas' first rum 
Distillery inside uh, Houston. And Ian Mook is here with us. And the Texas Silver Rum is the first product release. And this has only been on the market for about a month. Is that right? Uh, yes. About a month. So um, Now, I just took a sip of this. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you from my less... Uh, my less rum background that this is very very easy to drink mm-hmm. we are drinking this straight um, mm-hmm. and not just shooting it by the way sipping it and it is very easy to drink it's got a very clean uh beginning to the flavor uh it's nice and big in the middle and the finish is warm it's not mm-hmm. burning or anything it's a nice mm-hmm. warm pleasant finish on it the flavor lingers a bit in a great way this is fantastic well i i have to agree and what you said is perfect. You know, there are so many different um, spirits that after you drink it, that that burn is what you get. Yeah. And here, that burn is is not quite as burnish. It's just like you said, it's, it's warm. It's warm. It's it not like a burn, I think. It spreads through you and kind of warms your whole body up in a in a really pleasant sort of a way. It, so. I'm not following it down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, exactly. Now, I'm trying to pull out what, you know, obviously other than... The sugar cane, like what sort of flavors I'm getting? I think I'm getting a little, a uh, little vanilla, maybe. I, I definitely and, um, get a little vanilla, especially mm-hmm. through the nose. Mm. I wish I was better at describing uh, these things. Maybe a little bit of oakiness to it. Is it, uh, how is this aged? How is it uh, once you go through the distillation process? Where does it go? So after it comes off the still, um, mm-hmm. it's sitting at about 140 proof. Mm, wow. um, then I proof it. Uh, I do all my water filtration in-house. I proof it with, to 84 proof mm-hmm. um, and bottle it. So it's pretty much straight off the still. Wow, so it's straight off the still. See, that's crazy because this has, to me, it has the impact and the flavor of some of the rums I've had that are aged in you know, oak barrels or in, uh, I guess, the steel barrels, depending on what the process is for you know, a year's time or whatever. So I have to ask, how'd you do it? Uh, a lot of, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I experimented, I just made it scientific and, and changed certain things and realized if it went away, I wanted it to go or a way I didn't like it. And I would, you know, decide which way, which direction I wanted to take the recipe from there. Um, but it's made with all organic ingredients. It's twice distilled. It's almost like there's a note of cinnamon on the very end of it. I know too. what you're saying. Yes, it's it's a it's in that warm. It's a flavor. sort of a sweetness, but it's not a sugary uh, uh, sweetness. Uh, obviously, rum, you know, being made from from sugar cane, you're always going to have a bit of that. But there's a different one in there too. There's a different layer. I use a uh, so there's there's two different main types of rum. There you have your agricole rums, which are you know a cane sugar rum, and then you have a molasses rum that's mm-hmm. made just from molasses. Um, this recipe is a hybrid. So it, it, the good thing about rum, in order to call it rum, as long as it's made from sugar, you can pretty much do what you want with it. Um, so I, I was able to, you know, kind of come up with this hybrid recipe, and that's what makes it, you know, you get your, your heaviness from that heavy molasses. Yes. But the, the good cane sugar that does have those caramels and, and uh, the dark molasses notes in it as well, they just blend so well together. This, I, I knew I should have paid attention in math class. Because this is this is the kind of stuff I remember sitting there in math class going, when am I going to use this? I'm not going to be an architect or an engineer. I don't need to know that. Now I understand why you would need to know math, right? This is this is about formulas and percentages as you sort of adjust and and like you said, trial and error through getting getting this how you want it. I have to point out, I think at the price point that this bottle's coming in, 
I think this might be the best rum I've tried so wow. far. Wow. So you. what, what is, do you mind talking about price point? What, uh, no, what is uh, this going to retail for? So it, it's going for about $25, 24 wow. to $25 for a 750 milliliter. Um, it's a little bit more than most, you know, you, you can get your Bacardi for, for $12 for sure. a 750. Um, but again, I'm not trying to compete with that. I'm but just you can also pay a hundred bucks uh, or more for a, a you know for a bottle of, of rum. Too, absolutely, so. absolutely. But for a silver rum, um, it's it, but it's very different than most silver rums. So the reason that it's the price point that it is um, marked, you know, a few dollars higher than most other competing silver rums, um, is just because of the price of ingredients that goes into it. Okay, that makes um, sense. It's as cheap as I can make it. <laughs> um, that makes sense, I'm, though. Yeah, as you know, as far as the price point goes. But I'm using quality ingredients, quality packaging. Um, so You, mentioned, the you mentioned that the rum is twice distilled. Explain for me what, uh, you know, because you see that all the time about vodkas and rums and different things about them being distilled twice or three times or four times. What happens... Between the first distillation and the second, how does that change it, and why does it make it better? And would it be even better if you distilled it a third time, or is it where you sort of hit the sweet spot? I've tried distilling it three times, and it, it makes it too neutral. Um, but so the first distillation, uh, you you ferment rum and molasses with water, and, and you add some yeast, and it ferments. Um, you end up with about a concentration of under ten percent alcohol. Uh, this big brown soupy mess. You put that in your still, and basically your first run, you're just stripping the alcohol off of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, technically speaking, if you have 100 gallons at uh, 10% alcohol, you're going to get 10 gallons of 100% alcohol out of it. So I do that four times uh, with four different fermenters full of rum, and then I have enough that I can put it, all that once distilled rum back into the still. When it's distilled once, it still has it's got a real heavy burn to it, and the flavors are really overpowering. Um, but the second distillation... Um, smooths it out really it smooths it out and that's where you make what, what's called cuts um, as it comes off the still the very first stuff that comes starts coming off the still is it's got a lot of bad stuff that, that gives you the hangovers uh, that's why cheap cheap alcohol they go into those heads right. and that's where you get your hangover from whereas I make very conservative cuts I, I, I use just what they call the carts and then when you get towards the end of the run you get in your tails which gives you kind of like a like almost like a card, wet cardboard flavor, mm-hmm. um, which you, if you're aging a, a barrel-aged product, you want some of those tails because those develop your flavors better in, in the barrel. Um, but but I don't in the silver rum, I don't put those in there. So I just to a certain degree, you're sort of lopping off the front and the back and staying with just sort of the sweet spot in the middle, right? Exactly. And you call and, that and the heart, the heart. And any distillery, any distilled product, they they do make cuts. It's just where those cuts are made it determines, you know. Where your flavors come from, and also, you know, if you're going to have a headache the next day or not. So there's so many variables then. There is. How so? So you come back from Puerto Rico, you decide you want to do this. How do you learn the process? The internet's a beautiful thing. <laughs> is that really true? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I read a few awesome. books. I read a yeah. few books, but the internet. But you was, didn't. You didn't go and apprentice with some. You know, master yogi rum maker from you know uh, someplace you know deep in the Dominican Republic or anything like that. No, I've I've been I take a class, but by the time I took the class, I already pretty much knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. and they just helped me refine my process. It is amazing what you can find out on the internet. You know, is there a YouTube video how to distill rum? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You know, yeah. <laughs> did you make the YouTube video? No, I, I'm rum? thinking about doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, this is, I think, a really bold, distinct rum flavor. I do love rum. I've been uh, drinking rum for a while. I have had and and really enjoy some of the very expensive aged rums. I've had plenty of silver rums. 
this I easily one of the best silvers that I've ever had. Thank you very it's much. It's fantastic. It really is. And I agree. And, it's it's so clean and so wonderful on the finish that I'm actually drinking all of mine with no problem and whatsoever. I would, and I would put this up against for just sipping because that's how I like to do uh, rum. I mean, I don't mind you know some mixed drinks every now and then, but uh, but that's how I like to do rum is just sip it just like a you know um, a fine spirit. And I'll tell you. I would put this up against a lot of the aged, you know, barrel aged stuff that I've had that I've considered the better the better rums. I will be keeping a bottle of this at, at my house. This is and see, this is you have to understand this is a big deal because he's not really a rum right. guy. Like I mean, he's enjoyed what I've brought him, but this hasn't been a a place where he's been. You know, so I have a question for you as well. Um, most people when they're uh, mixing will use a silver rum. In my experience. What uh, kind of mixers go great with a rum like this? My personal favorite, I use a, a, like a rum and coke, but I like to use the Mexican style coke where it has the, doesn't have the high fructose corn oh, syrup. Yeah. You use a, a, a cane cane sugar rum mm. or a cane sugar cola. Uh, I've been on a daiquiri kick lately, <laughs> mixing up some daiquiris, rum daiquiris, rum daiquiris yeah, nice. mojitos, um, pretty much anything that you use a silver rum for. And because this is a fuller body rum, you can use this silver rum in place of you know some of your darker rums. And it'll hold its own. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm really amazed by that because usually when we sit around and sip and try a rum, it's it's a, a darker gold uh, yeah. aged rum, and mm-hmm. this is just as clear. Like the clarity on this is beautiful, and it just has such great flavor. Wow! Thank so uh, we're very impressed with Texas Silver Rum uh, from Great Dane, a uh, Grateful Dane. I'm sorry, Grateful Dane Brewing Company. I want to ask you about the name of the company when we come back. Some more questions about the rum and uh, how do you how do you now go and conquer the world? You got the product. Like, this is great. Yeah. What do you do next? Uh, so we'll talk about all of that uh, as the program continues here. We are Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Also still to come, more FDA regulations, standby for changes in the cigar industry, and Oscar Blues is opening a brewery and hotspot in Austin. We'll tell you about that coming up. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. Radio Brave. Love the foods. Gotta love the foods. Uh, it's nice to have you guys listening. Our uh, guest today on the show is Ian Mook from Grateful Dane Rum, Houston's first uh, craft rum distillery. Uh, we'll get back with Ian in just a moment, but I did have uh, some stogie headlines for you. The um, If you have noticed, if you've been to your local tobacconist, wherever you buy cigars, and noticed that there seems to be uh, like an explosion of new brands, there's a reason for that. New brands and new blends. The reason is because the FDA regulation changes that are coming are going to mean that new cigars that are introduced into the market have to be pre-approved by the FDA, and this will begin on August the 9th. So what happens is, if I'm you know a cigar company that's got five different blends and I'm introducing a sixth, or if I'm a brand new company. Get it out there now. It has to be approved by the FDA if I don't get it on the market before the night. So that's why they're saying you're going to see an explosion of cigar, new brands, new new blends uh, now. And then it's going to be really quiet for a while because... 
people will still introduce new ones, but there's no telling how long the queue will be. Do we uh, have any FDA idea before they come out? Do we have any idea what those uh, regulations from the FDA will actually be? Uh, well, the first and most important thing for most cigar uh, enthusiasts is that it's going to impact how stuff hits the market. Like I was just, uh, like I was just saying. Uh, the good news, the cigar. Uh, the cigar rights um, societies are saying is that premium cigars are totally here to stay. The business is now to the point where you know they've got the ability to lobby and you know wrestle with these laws as they're uh, you know attempted to put into place. They don't always win, but they're able to at least you know keep the Apply cigar industry from getting steamrolled all the time. Right. right, that's what they're saying. The bad news though. Um, is that all new cigars after August 8th have to comply with these new uh, regulations. And the most pertinent information to grab, they say, any new cigar that wants to enter the market has to have pre-market approval. So they don't even say uh, at this point like what the approval process no, no details is. On that at all. Yeah, they're saying that the cigars have to be uh, basically commiserate with the way that the cigars that are on the market now uh, are made and stuff. So it sounds like it's a quality control issue, which I didn't know. I mean, you know, I buy a lot of cigars. Yeah, occasionally you get a dud, but I don't see quality control as being like an issue, especially if you know the, you know, cigar companies that you're buying from. If you've had experience with them, you go, well, well I've never had a bad Rocky Patel cigar, or no, I've never no. had. I've never you know, even had to. I've been smoking cigars for years, and I've never had to deal even with uh, tobacco bugs. Mm-mm. Right, right. Well, I had, I had a problem with that, but that was when I brought some cigars back from another location that uh, I, see, was actually probably breaking a restriction or regulation or two, and uh, they came back with some bugs and then those got in my other cigars but that was oh, a, a no long way. time ago and i've learned how to keep that from happening but that that might be a show by the way that's Cigar gonna bugs. be that's gonna be experience i'm okay with not having by the way <laughs> oh man it's not a good one it's not a good one because really no there's really no effective way to get rid of them other than getting rid of your cigars i'll just tell you I'll yeah you can't trust them yeah you, that's like, exactly can't trust right the cigars and it makes me feel like i so, can trust my humidor after uh, that <laughs> Uh, according to the new regulations, um, if a blend was in commerce on February the 15th, 2007, and has been on the market since then, it's most likely grandfathered in. The FDA has estimated that um, accounts for about 60% of the blends on the market that would be grandfathered in that aren't a part of this needing approval uh, process. Uh, where they get that number from, I'm not really sure. Uh, but any cigars uh, in- introduced... Uh, let me see. From February 16, 2007 to August the 8th, 2016, we'll have roughly two years on the market before they need to apply to apply for, here's that phrase I was looking for, substantial equivalence. In order for them to be approved, they have to show that the blends are substantially equivalent to the cigars that have been grandfathered in. Uh, the details of how a company will have to do this have not been released that yet. That seems ambiguous. <coughs> it does. And then there's, of course, the <coughs> cigars that come onto the market after August 9th have to be pre-approved. So the big news here is that for the moment, expect a lot of new brands, a lot, a lot of new blends, and then don't expect a lot until this pre-approval process gets cranked up. And who knows? It could be six months. It could be a year. You could see literally no new cigar blends or brands on the market for 
a half a year. Alone. But we will be having giant warning labels. Yes, giant warning labels. We talked about this one last One third time. of the packaging. Yes, it have to cover one third of the packaging, and that includes cellophane wrappers. If you have, uh, uh, if you have cellophane wrappers on the cigars you're buying, so uh, so I'm just going to start doing like you do and take all my cellophane wrappers yes. off as soon as I buy it, put them in the humidor, and then off you go. So, I uh, want to thank Ian uh, Mook for coming in. Ian is with Grateful Dane Rum. It's Houston's first rum distillery. We sampled the rum in uh, the last segment, and both of us absolutely loved it. And uh, I think you were really surprised. I am. I'm actually in for seconds right now. <laughs> That's my man. <laughs> um, Ian, the, the rum is great. Tell us about the name, Grateful Dane. Where did that come from? And what's, uh, uh, what is, it's a great name. Uh, but where did it come from? So I have a uh, a Great Dane. He's my dog. Okay. And my, my what's his name? His name's Jaeger. Jaeger. Nice. <laughs> and I would have named it Jaeger, but you know that yeah, that done seems that. like somebody's done that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I named it after him mostly. Um, but I'm also Danish, um, a large percentage Danish at least. Uh, and uh, and I'm also kind of a music a music guy. So okay. just kind of a play on words, you know, kind of like the Grateful Dead, Great Dane, Grateful mm-hmm. Dane, Danish. It all mm-hmm. kind of came together, a little wordsmithing. Love it, and uh, and thus the Grateful Dane Distilling Company was born. Plus, you know, it also had the added, you know, feature of being available as a .dot com. But think of how many great names have come along that they couldn't use because somebody already had the .dot com. You know, so uh, so I'm sure that was that was probably a good a good thing. Were you happy when you discovered it was still available? Yeah, well, the, the website's actually Grateful Dane Distilling .com. Still, but, um, yeah, but. Yeah, it's it's good that nobody else <laughs> beat me to that one. So you're producing. You said how many cases per month? Um, right now, I'm producing less than sixty cases per month. Okay. But that's you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll go up now that we're we're finally moving on shelves. So but you said you have the ability for 120 at the moment. Uh, right now, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it's still really a limited product, and I'm just going to encourage you guys jump in at the beginning of this thing. Be a part of. Of helping to launch this because it's it's really worth it, and I love the idea of Houston, Texas, kind of getting on the map for this kind of spirits. Yeah. I think it's I think it's just such a cool thing. Uh, where are you? What part of town are you based out of? So uh, the distillery is just outside of Loop Six Ten, just south of Highway Fifty Nine, okay. um, just on the other side of uh, Fifty Nine from the gallery area. Just a warehouse industrial area with a bunch of small businesses. And so, what what would be next for you? Is uh, do you do you now kind of wait for sales to sort of catch up and kick in uh, and then increase production? At what point do you start like hiring staff and rolling with this bad boy? I have to hire myself first. <laughs> I love this. I love this. When you put yourself on the payroll. Yeah, once I once I put myself that's the next step is 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 hopefully I can sell enough that I can I can quit my day job and, and start doing this. And and once once I'm able to dedicate a full time uh, week to to getting growing this product, hopefully it'll It'll you know be worthwhile, and then we'll we'll uh, start exploding from there. You mentioned the uh, gold um, because this is the we're we're drinking the Texas silver rum. Is it Texas gold? Is that what it would yes. be called? So, what do you anticipate? You said you have some of it coming out now, but it hasn't been bottled or released yet. Um, what do you anticipate the difference being between what we're drinking today and what that will taste like? And then, what do you uh, what do you think in terms of when we would find that on the shelves? Um, I'm trying to have it on shelves before the winter. Um, that's a big sales time for the mm-hmm. spirits industry. Um, but it, again, if it's not ready, I'm not going to put it out there just just to get it in on the shelves in time. Mm-hmm. For um, but love that the uh, the prototype, the few prototypes I messed around with, I messed around with a lot of different toast and char levels in the barrels. Um, and the stuff that I've had, it's it's it it gives it more of a 
it's still a rum, but it gives it more whiskey overtones. It mm-hmm. it really it smooths it out even more. The the char in the barrels uh, acts kind of like a filter, but also the the toastiness of the of the char uh, imparts a lot of vanilla um, just from the oak itself. And there's no there's no vanilla added, no sugar added, but it, you get a lot of vanilla in the aged product. And how long is the aging for the gold? Until it's done. Until it's done. So roughly, like, what would you guess? Um, it's it's probably going to be about a year. Wow. Um, the, the I, I use smaller barrels, so mm-hmm. the volume to surface area accelerates aging. But uh, but of know, course, production is exactly. Lower. Yeah. yeah so. Now I don't know a whole lot about rum, but is it in in some ways like whiskey, where the longer you age it, to a degree, the more mellow it becomes, or is it something where you have a terminal age where it just that's that's as far as it gets, and it doesn't matter after that. No, I mean you could age it indefinitely. Uh, you know, once you get to a certain period of, I think like they say, like after sixty years, you're just not going to get anything else into the only into, sixty yeah, years. Yeah, only sixty years. So, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. but you know, it's damn. I paid I so much for that seventy-year bottle of rum too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but it, it just it continues to get. You know, you get oxidation. But after I think after about ten years, you know, depending on your climate and your in your barrel room, you're gonna you lose a lot of it to to evaporation. So if you had a had a barrel of rum that you're aging for, you know, five or ten years, and you go to open it up ten years later, it, there's only going to be about half of the rum that right, was in there, right. just because it. But that that angel what they call the angel share, the part that's evaporating out of the barrels, that's part of what adds to making it special and. Uh, Kind of makes it right. unique. And does that drive the uh, alcohol content up at that point as well? Sometimes it, it depends on your climate. Uh, if like you're up in Co- Colorado where it's uh, really dry, um, some of the distillers I've been to up there, they uh, they say that their proof actually goes up while it's in the barrels. Oh, wow. okay. uh, down here, uh, proof proof does lower a little bit. While it's- what is proof on the Texas silver? Uh, the but bear, uh, the bottle proof is eighty four, so it's uh, four. It, most rums are about forty percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say that's your average for most most liquors. Really, um, this one comes in at two percent extra, so you get this, yeah, a little yeah. bonus. But it doesn't feel necessarily like it's got that extra kick to it, which is what's interesting. It's deceptively smooth, yes. yeah, <laughs> which can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on your uh, uh, your. I like it, but wow, yeah. Make sure you make sure you take heed. Thank so, <laughs> uh, Ian Mook is with us from Grateful Day and Rum. Uh, Ian, we got one more segment. If you uh, don't mind sticking around, we got a couple of other uh, pieces of business we got to take care of here. But uh, love to talk just a little bit more about Texas Silver Rum from Grateful Dane. By the way, the logo, it's in like a Scooby Doo kind of font, which I love. Yes. That's great. Thank you. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. You know, Ian, I almost forgot we were going to try and uh, sample a, uh, a beer today, too. And we've, we've already gone one time without, uh, uh, without doing this one. We brought it in and had to, had to move it, bump it to next week, and, of course, it became now. So maybe you can uh, pour that up for us, um, if you don't mind. I wanted to share this uh, information. Nice. I want to share this information about Oscar Blues. They are opening a, a big new facility in Austin, 
And this may not be news to some of you, but I just found out about it recently, and I was pretty excited. Oscar Blues, the original brewery, is based in Colorado, and they uh, kind of started what's being called the Great Craft Beer Migration a few years ago when they established a second location in Brevard, North Carolina, which is a small mountain town. Since then, Sierra Nevada and Lagunitas uh, have followed suit, opened up additional breweries in additional places. New Belgium Brewing uh, has opened a production facility in Asheville, North Carolina. Lagunitas opened up in Chicago. Uh, and now Oscar Blues is bringing it to Texas. Their third location will open uh, later this summer in Austin. And also, by the way, worth noting that Atwater Brewery in Detroit with Flemish Fox Brewery and Craftworks has also announced plans to open in Austin as well. So this may be this may be becoming a trend. Very interesting. So uh, according to the Oscar Blues uh, Facebook page, uh, Oscar Blues Austin Facebook page, they say that the brewery's opening is still TBD, but it does feature pictures of the first batch of Texas brewed Mama's Little Yellow Pills coming off the brewery line. The cans do feature a Texas logo on them, which is kind of interesting Fantastic. to see for Oscar Blues. Uh, the new brewery is going to feature a tap room and a music space, and there is a special beer release already rolling out across Texas in celebration of the new space. It's Priscilla's White Wit Wheat, uh, which has previously been available only on tap at Oscar Blues to other breweries and in the restaurant and tap room. Uh, it's now in their signature cans and is rolling out. You should be able to find it uh, where you buy beer as long as they've got a decent selection. Now, Oscar Blues had that special release that they had only for House of Blues. Yes, and you know we haven't really talked about that, but you and I sampled that when we were having dinner uh, with the wives at the Foundation Room. And man, that was good. And that's what we drank the rest of the evening. Man, that, that was, was good. Very good. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll hopefully. I'm actually we're actually working on getting a representative from the House of Blues uh, to come on the show specifically so I can ask them about that beer. Where can I get more of it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're working on this. So um, the. Um, the Oscar Blues facility in Austin is going to have a really nice uh, tasting room. Uh, that was one thing I was going to ask you uh, about. Ian Mook is here uh, from Grateful Dane uh, Distillery, Grateful Dane Rum, Houston's first craft rum. Uh, any plans for a uh, tasting room spot at your place? Yeah, so the tasting room is in place right now, just trying to get a few things together. Okay. Um, it's also a small warehouse. Um so it's very hot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to be able to have people out in the actual distillery to do tours and stuff. And it's an average between 95 and 100 degrees in there right now. Wow. Um, I've got a few things I'm getting working to get ready, but I'm going to try to have it open uh, for tours and tastings uh, late summer, early fall, wow, as, of, as of right now. But as, as of every step of the business process has gone, it, it, it may take a little longer than that. Everything always seems to take longer than it's supposed to, doesn't right. it? That's just the rule of thumb, it seems like. But that's my, that's my current project, is getting that ready right now. So... How excited were you the first time you were able to walk into a Specs or another location and actually see your rum on the shelf next to the other guys? It was it was a, a moment of relief. <laughs> <laughs> I used to ask that of, of rock artists when I was doing um, uh, rock and roll interviews. I would say, what was it like the first time you were like in the car or whatever and heard your song on the radio? This has to be a similar kind of... Uh, a kind of experience, right? Exactly. I thought it was going to be. I thought. I, I thought it was going to be more uh, emotional uh, than it actually ended up being. I was, like I said, when I got there and I finally saw it, the amount of work that it's taken to get there, it was just. <laughs> it was more of a load off. Like, oh right. my gosh, I've once you know finally a step forward 
Um, and it, it was it was it definitely it's a good good thing to see. But it, it wasn't quite as I was expecting to like break down in tears. Like finally I'm here, and and, and it, it didn't end up being the <laughs> moment that, that I expected. Moment, right? That yeah, moment. but. Like, uh, uh, Dude, there's a guy crying on aisle five. I don't know what's going on, but we might want to send somebody over. Yeah. Now, Ian, I have a question. I like to ask. Uh, I like to ask people: Is um, you uh, distill rum and you make your own rum? What is your favorite rum that you do not currently make? Ah. Probably my go-to is uh, Ron Zacapa Twenty Three Solera. Ron Zacapa Twenty Three Solera. Uh, it's made in Guatemala. It, they it, they kind of break some rules as far as uh, you know. They add a lot of sugar and and. Uh, and their age age statements on the bottle aren't aren't you know necessarily accurate, but it's an amazing rum, and for the price, it's under fifty dollars usually, and and it's just so good by itself. I would point out, Ian, that you and I had that when we were out at the uh, rum place, the oh. name of which always escapes me. Um, that was at Calabash. At Calabash, thank you, which is downtown Houston. Right. Uh, we went there for your wife's birthday, mm-hmm. and they were doing the rum flights, mm-hmm. and that was actually our favorite. Of that was the, the one. Okay. The See, I was yes. about to ask you. I was about mm-hmm. to say since I don't know the rums and I don't even remember the names a lot of times, have I had that rum? Well, actually, the answer apparently is yes, and it you was know, quite good. What really got me started drinking premium rums is I was at a cigar aficionado big smoke in New York a number of years ago, back when you could still have a smoke event in New York. And um, the, in addition to having the different cigar manufacturers there and you know they're doing their samples, there were uh, ladies walking around with samples of rum just already poured into a little... And I was already a premium tequila guy, and it was Ron Zascapa rum. Um, I believe it was this one. It might have been something else. I I haven't kept up with their entire line that way. But uh, wow, uh, that was what I remember sipping that, thinking, "Why am I not drinking this? Well, this is great!" Right. And went and bought a bottle. You know, when I got home. So now, just uh, a short tangent off of what you said, big smoke this year. It looks like is in Vegas. Oh uh, yes. That Are you thinking road terrible. trip, I'm Ian? Thinking, I'm thinking road trip. <laughs> what, what about it, Ian? You want to go with us to Vegas? Yeah, I'm down. All right, cool. Let's <laughs> let's let's make some plans after the show. Oh man, I got to tell you this um, this rum is really really delicious. I just want to I, I just want to emphasize we had not tried this before the show. No, and this is not just being polite. I mean, this is really quite good. Thank you. And I'm really I have to say I'm really proud being from Houston. I'm. Really proud that Houston is representing with this kind of a quality product. This is great. Thank you very much. So you've taken on the mantle of an entire city. I hope that's not too much. To, <laughs> no pressure uh, to ask. <laughs> now, Ian, if you don't mind, if you would uh, join my partner and I here, we want to do a little beer tasting. Absolutely. And uh, Ian brought this beer in actually several weeks ago for the show. We ran out of time, didn't get to taste it. I wound up snagging it, putting it in my bag and taking it home. And then have actually managed to bring it back without opening it or tasting it, which is a small feat in and of itself. That's but pretty amazing. Ian, actually. tell us about this beer. I mean, I don't know if this is the exact same bottle that you took away. So. It is. It's the exact same one. <laughs> I promise. Uh, this is the Bourbon Barrel Aged Arrogant Bastard. And I believe on some of our previous shows I mentioned that I'm a big fan of the Arrogant Bastard because as far as their hoppiness in in their beers yes they're way over the top with it but they're also very balanced with it they are pretty much the top of the rock when it comes to ipas in my uh, opinion 
And so I brought this, and I think we had another uh, um, Arrogant Bastard that we tried. I think it might have been on our first show. It may have been, yes. And that was also a pretty good one, too. But anyway, now getting back to this, I haven't actually tried this. So I'm going to – this is 8.1% mm. um, aged in bourbon barrels. Um, and the, the, the if you're familiar with the Arrogant Bastard labels, it has the, the logo uh, with the uh, – I guess it's a devil or a demon. It's, it, it's the arrogant bastard yeah, the himself. Arrogant yes. bastard <laughs> with a with a, uh, a beer mug, and it says bourbon barrel aged arrogant bastard, and then right underneath it says quite refined, unlike you. <laughs> Ian uh, Mook from uh, Grateful Dane. This uh, this concept of taking beer and aging it in um, spirit barrels uh, is. What are they going for when they do that? Is that something as a spirit distiller that you can tell us? What are they trying to accomplish? Uh, you you get a lot of the flavors from the product that was in there before. So this is this is a bourbon barrel aged beer. So you, you're probably going to get some hints of bourbon in there. Yeah. Uh, it also bumps the proof up a little bit on it too. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, are you a beer guy? Do you enjoy? Quite I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually probably more of a beer guy than a spirits guy. Really? That's interesting. Uh, um, but yeah, there's I, an irony there. I, I've, I've actually had this before. But, he's uh, like, he's like, could I just come and hang with you guys when you do the <laughs> yeah. show? Because uh, we're we're sampling all kinds of stuff. Uh, so Ian, what do you think? Uh, I saw so you take your first sip. This is is uh, fantastic. It's um it's your typical arrogant bastard hoppiness. It's way up front with the hops but you get this giant malt uh in the middle and an oaky finish that is just oaky oaky and um and the bourbon taste and and it's almost gone uh right after that it doesn't linger that long i was gonna say that that again is always my biggest complaint about the hugely hopped beers is how bitter the aftertaste can be and how long that bitterness lingers and not in a pleasant bitter way but in a more unpleasant and this doesn't really have that at all. It's what, like that, what's that oakiness is takes it away. The bitterness is all up front. Right. And it's gone on the finish. Mm-hmm. It like barely leaves any on the tongue. So what do you think? As a, this is interesting getting a distiller's point of view about the beer. What do you think of this? I think it's good. Uh, the time that it spins in the barrel is definitely... The hop, hops have a shelf life, basically, mm-hmm. uh, on your IPAs. Uh, the longer it sits on the shelf, the less hoppy it becomes. So that's where they, they put a super hoppy beer... In barrels, and it's 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 really smooths it out, and it smooths it out yeah. as as it maybe loses a little of the hoppiness, but becomes smoother. Yeah, the hops are still in there. They just yeah. the, the potency, all the the alpha and beta is what they call it, and that 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 goes way down. Wow. Well, with uh, with uh, Texas Silver Rum from Grateful Dan in one hand, and with the beer in the other, I'm afraid we're actually out of time. It goes so fast. <laughs> I love that. It's uh, it's it's been a real pleasure. Ian Mook from Grateful Dane Brewing Company. Thank you. Uh, Grateful Dane Brewing. Dis- uh, Grateful Dane Distilling. I'm, I'm sorry. I Grateful Dane Distilling. I had I had brewing on the brain because we were doing the beer. Uh, Grateful Dane Distilling Company and Grateful Dane Distilling. Dot com. Go and buy the Texas Silver Rum. What does this retail for again? About $25. It's totally worth it. You will love it. Worth it. Uh, we want to have you come back when you have the gold out. Absolutely. Or anytime you want to, actually. You can, you're, you're always welcome here. It is, uh, <laughs> it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We've had a great week. We'll see you next week and look at the website. We'll tell you all about it.
Fiji is an urban Vietnam. 